0: Hi, this is Scott Thompson. Welcome to the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends and feel free to subscribe. Coming up on today's show, the latest in the B.C. murder case as fugitives travel across the country. The Mueller testimony, help or hindrance for the Democrats. And Jody Wilson's Raybould book set to drop before the election. Will it make a dent? It's all coming up on the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Today on the Scott Thompson Show on nine hundred CHML. The latest in the BC murder case. This has uh, uh, just become more bizarre as time has gone by. And uh, initially, two suspect or two uh, two uh, people, two men who were originally thought to be missing persons, have now become suspects in these murder cases. And uh, after hearing from one of the parents last night, it certainly seems like a very dire situation is unfolding. Let's bring in Clay Young. He's an anchor and host at CJOB in Winnipeg and is with us now. Clay, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Thank
1: you for having me, Scott.
0: So what is the latest on this, Clay? We understand they're in uh, northern Manitoba in some very, very dense uh, brush. What is the latest on this?
1: Well, the RCMP, their, their main uh, headquarters is based in Winnipeg. Uh, Gillum is, is quite the distance, but uh, they held a news conference yesterday, and uh, they confirmed to us that two suspects wanted in connection with the deaths of three people in northern B.C. are believed to be in the Gillum area. Now, Gillum... That's, uh, that's up north. Uh, it's about 760 kilometers north of Winnipeg. It's about a 12-hour drive, uh, population of about 1,200. Uh, the mayor has stated, uh, you know, there's only one road in and one road out of here. And uh, during the news conference, uh, the RCMP Corporal Julie uh, Crushane, she told police that She told reporters, rather, that uh, police had recovered a burnt-out vehicle. This was Monday evening. They say that was the same vehicle that the two suspects, uh, Brian Shugalski and Cam McLeod, were traveling in. So they believe they are still somewhere in the area. Now, uh, RCMP have extra manpower that uh, has been sent into the Gillum area, police have set up a check stop on the town's only road Uh, police dogs have been brought in there's a drone hovering overhead i just understand helicopters are now on scene uh heavily armed officers are are combing the whole area and and you know when something like this happens you know imagination starts running wild there there was a scott there was a wild rumor uh, that came out last night, that the, the Walmart in Brandon, which is like two hours west of Winnipeg, uh, went into lockdown last night because someone thought they saw two individuals who matched the description. Now, Brandon is a long way from Gillam, and, and Brandon police issued something, said this is, this is false, this is fabrication, um, you know, people calm down. But it, it gives you an indication of how um, people are on edge. And, I mean, this is this is a long drive from, from Gillum. But a lot of people, and I, I listened, we have a global news reporter in Gillum. She's talked to some residents who said, one resident who said, you know, I never locked my doors at night, but I sure am locking them now. So right now uh, they're still looking for these individuals. Uh, you know, and people have been saying, well, how did they go from northern B.C., through northern Alberta, through northern Saskatchewan, they're somewhere in believed to be northern Manitoba. Now I understand the OPP have even sent out a sort of an advisory that this is a Canada-wide warrant, and you know be on the lookout.
0: How sure are police that they are still in this area?
1: Well, I would I would guess and assume because of all the manpower that's still. Uh, that has converged on that area, they, they they still believe they're in. Like the mayor says, you know, there's a lot of bush out here. Uh, they could be hiding anywhere. And I did read something the other day where the father of one of these two individuals said they had at one time taken a course in camouflage. Mm. Uh, and I'm thinking, all right, but camouflage... Fine and dandy, but it's not going to help you when you run out of food and water.
0: Yeah, are they are they known to be uh, good outdoors people? Are they known to be able to survive in such conditions?
1: Apparently, they they liked. Uh, the, one of the fathers said when they as they got older, they liked playing in the woods. So maybe this is uh, something that is not foreign to them. But as the mayor said, maybe they have no idea what kind of terrain we have up here. It's heavy bush at this time of the year. There's Tons of insects uh, that can lay a real wicked uh, bite on you. So, you know, let's see. It's still early in the day here in Manitoba. You know, it's not even noon yet. We're going to see what happens as the day develops. Who knows? Something could break. Uh,
0: with the discovery of the burnt out vehicle, which is believed to be theirs, uh, is there reason to believe another vehicle was stolen or that they're just hoofing it at, the, at this point? There's.
1: You there's been i wondered about that myself and i mean they they torched a vehicle in bc and now they've torched the one that got him to northern manitoba it seems to be a, a calling card hey we were here because another vehicle has been set ablaze but uh, there is no indication that any other vehicle in the Gillum area has been stolen so uh the guess is they've somehow run into the bush and like i said that is heavy bush area
0: uh, we are starting to hear more from the families. As you mentioned, one father seems to paint quite a dire picture that uh, he's not sure his son will survive and he's on some sort of suicide mission.
1: Yeah, I saw that quote too uh, that he suspects his son may go out in, what was it, a, a blaze of glory? Yeah. Uh, but you never. I, I was throwing this around in the newsroom. You know, what would you. Ask a psychiatrist, like, uh, you know, are they they on a death march here, or are they, they going to go out like, you know, a bunch of cowboys, or are they going to finally say, you know, the jig is up, we gotta got nowhere to go, uh, we're looking at, you know, 25 years or something in prison, but what do you want to do here? And who knows what goes on in, in the minds of individuals of this type?
0: So you were mentioning that uh, in the smaller and remote areas uh, in the middle of nowhere, people are very much on edge in regard to this.
1: Yeah, as you can, as you can well imagine. Uh, like I said, it's, it's, uh, it's way up north. It's, you know, I've, as far as I, north I've been in Manitoba is Thompson, and Gillum is a considerable ways beyond that uh they do have an airstrip i will say that and uh you know you can get there by car or vehicle you know straight up uh a highway i believe it's highway six uh but it's a 12-hour drive and uh you know like i said rumors are just flying all over the place and when i saw that last night that we understand the uh, the the Walmart and Brandon. I thought, oh my God, people are just just uh, going wild here with whatever's going on. Out you there. would
0: you would think, and maybe police know this and just aren't telling us at this point, because obviously you know they they only ask for help when they're when they're running out of leads. But you'd have to think that being in such a remote area, where are they going to fuel up? Where are they going to eat? Uh, you know, on the way from BC to Manitoba, and, and you. But obviously, no reports that we know of at this time of anybody spotting them or figuring out how they got the vehicles or gas or whatever to get to where they were.
1: Well, Julie Corshane, the, the Corporal uh, Media Relations Officer for the uh, RCMP, um, it, was, it was very abrupt. Usually she, she'll talk your head off, but this news conference ended quite quickly. She read her statement, took a couple of questions. I threw one right at her right off the bat. And I said, so how much manpower has been sent up there, and are they from detachments all over the province? And she said, uh, significant manpower has been set up, sent up, uh, not just from Manitoba, but it sounds to me, and she didn't clarify it, but it sounds to me like from detachments from all over Canada. So this is uh, this has now become nationwide.
0: Uh, Do we know anything more about these two individuals? Uh, The two families seem to be painting two different pictures. One says, uh, you know, nice kid. Uh, We hope he gets home safely. The other father, distraught, thinking that this is going to end in, as you said, a blaze of glory. Do we know anything more about these two individuals?
1: One of the individuals, and I just found out this uh, just a few moments ago, and this is um, Shigelsky. Uh, someone has uncovered some photographs of him um, in a Nazi uniform. Uh, how long ago this photo was taken, I do not know, but it, uh, this is what I have been told. I, I, it's apparently up on one of the global websites. I'm going to have to take a look at that. But if if that in fact is uh, is true, and that photograph is true of him, you know, posing in a in a Nazi getup. Uh, that might give you an indication of the mindset.
0: Any sort of past problems with the police or authorities for any of these two?
1: As far as I know, they, they uh, you know, the typical story, they were uh, nice boys, and I, I don't believe they ever had a run-in with the law. And yet these are, you know, what it's tragic when everyone sees that photograph of the uh the young Australian man and his mm. American girlfriend, they're by a gas station and they're mm. embracing and, yeah. hey, we're going to see the world. And then yeah. this other fellow who was identified last night, he was an instructor at UBC, and his family is just shocked. So it, it's, it's just a trail of, of uh, destruction that uh, these two are suspected of being on.
0: Is there any sort of details on? Uh, we we obviously don't know much about uh, about the couple. Um, we've heard that, but even uh, the other the uh, instructor from BC, as you were talking about, do we even know anything about how these two parties encountered each other? How they ran ran across each other's path?
1: It, it seems to be. Uh, random. And uh, the unfortunate tragedy about it is it seemed these three people, the couple and the instructor from the University of British Columbia, just seemed to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Because when this encounter or the encounters occurred, uh, it it was a very lonely stretch of highway that, you know, not a lot of people use as you're traveling to get into Alaska.
0: With this town of, of Gillam, as you said, one road in, one road out, um, would it appear that this is their only means of escape out of that region?
1: That's it. It's like they've got nowhere to go. Uh, you know, like as mentioned, if, if they were expert woodsmen, if they, if they were new survival tactics, maybe they could continue on their trek deep into the bush and end up in who knows where. But uh, I've seen nothing that, you know, playing around in the woods is one thing, but to survive in, that, in those kind of conditions, uh, I expect something to break, you know, within the next couple of days.
0: Where was uh, the car in relation to Gillum, uh, the burnt-out car found?
1: I believe it was about 20 kilometers outside of the town not sure which direction
0: so i I mean i i guess in here we we, again we're just assuming at this point they burnt the car and then just headed into the bush
1: that's right that's what everybody is assuming
0: uh how do they search last question here clay how do they search for something like this again you talk about the woods being so dense how do police even coordinate something like this
1: well you know as as I, i Pointed out when the RCMP, when we asked, you know, what sort of manpower has been set up there, so they have police dogs, they've got a drone, and uh, now I understand they've got at least one or possibly two helicopters. And, you know, the the officers, and I've seen the roadblock, I've seen the check stop uh, on global television, and uh, the officers that are manning that, they are heavily armed. Uh, they're not taking any chances. I mean, uh, the suspects uh, are obviously armed and considered dangerous. We're talking three murders here already.
0: You're talking about how uh, uh, dense the woods is and how difficult this will be to, to, uh, to survive there. Do you think they, they'll be found uh, quickly, or do you think they could have disappeared for a while in, into the bush?
1: Well, like I like I said, Scott, I think you know, I can't, I can't see this going into the weekend uh, because you know if if they do have food and water, it's going to run out. Unless, of course, they they know survival techniques, and uh, there's no indication that they do.
0: Clay Young has been with us, anchor host at CJOB in Winnipeg. Of course, uh, northern Manitoba, Gillam, Manitoba, is uh, where uh, police assume that uh, the two uh, suspects in the B.C. murder case are uh, hiding out at this point. Clay, thanks so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. You bet, man. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Yesterday, uh, those of us that uh, care uh, off and on or perhaps sat glued watching the testimony of Robert Mueller. Of course, uh, the special counsel in charge of uh, uh, investigating uh, Donald Trump, his campaign, Russian interference, all that sort of thing. Uh, We all remember the report came out a while ago, 400 and some odd pages Um, But uh, after that came a uh, sort of abbreviated four-page version uh, from the Attorney General that basically summed it up. Many thought that wasn't accurate. Mueller spoke out against that and eventually was called to testify, didn't want to. Uh, simply because he said everything was in the report and many times referred back to it. So was there any sense in doing all of this? Let's bring in Ryan Hurl, Assistant Professor, Department of Political Science, University of Toronto, and is with us now. Ryan, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Oh, no problem at all. So your thoughts on what transpired yesterday? Well,
2: it's interesting. I've been uh, working my way through all seven hours of the testimony and transcript. And there, I guess if I were to give a, a final summary of it, I don't think anything that was said yesterday is really going to change the current political dynamic. Uh, that was something that the Democrats were hoping for. I think that you have to consider the whole impeachment process as a kind of game that's being played between the president, Congress and the public as well. And really, the only way impeachment could make sense, looking at this purely from a political strategy, if the public become, is, is if the public becomes sufficiently energized to demand it, uh, such that it would make political sense for the Democrats to pursue this. And nothing that Mueller said yesterday uh, changed the fact that the public has not yet mobilized behind impeachment as an issue. Uh, it comes down to one quote, and I'm going to quote directly from Robert Mueller himself, and I think it summarizes everything, you know, the most important political point. This is what Mueller said. He said, the investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired with the Russian government in its election interference activities, right?
1: Mm-hmm. That's
2: one sentence, That, and that's all you need to know from a political perspective. The only way Trump was ever going to be impeached was if, in fact, the Mueller investigation had conclusive evidence that there was a conspiracy other disturbing things happened it's not as if the issue of obstruction is irrelevant or a sideshow but from a political perspective uh, even the Democrats in the house were only ever it was only likely that they would pursue impeachment to the end if there was actual evidence of a conspiracy of that kind and certainly in terms of removing the president from office which has to uh, occur within the Senate that was only going to occur if you had Republicans on board. And nothing said yesterday has changed the fact that that evidence just isn't there.
0: What about the question, I believe, Congressman Nadler asked right off, uh, close to the beginning of all of this, when asking if the report had exonerated the president and, and, and Mueller rep- replied no?
2: Right. I, I think that there's, there's different ways to interpret that. Uh, I think one way of thinking about it is that it's not the job of a prosecutor to provide exoneration one right. way or another. Mm-hmm. So I think that Mueller was simply being factually correct. He was not out. Th- this was not a trial. Uh, arguably, even trials in some cases don't necessarily exonerate someone. They merely they determine guilt or innocence or the perhaps you know innocence uh, in absence of proof. But uh, I think Mueller was simply stating the fact that there is a difference between having, uh, you know, insufficient evidence to charge someone, even with obstruction, uh, as opposed to exoneration. Uh, from the Republican side, they would say that Mueller should not have made any statements about this one way or another. That be- simply because it is not the prosecutor's job to provide exoneration, you simply don't say anything about it. You either say that there is evidence to, per- to charge for a crime or there isn't. Uh, so yes, the, I, Mueller stood by that, but this is, again, it's something that we already knew. Um, I think that there is there is some confusion, and this is certainly something that came out in Republican questioning yesterday. You know, if Mueller was willing to reach a conclusion that there was no evidence in terms of a criminal conspiracy with the Russian government, why not simply make a conclusion about obstruction, one way or another? Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mueller's Mueller's answer is that well, a sitting president can't be indicted, but that evidence that's not the point. The point is that the the, the report was meant to, you know, provide. A, you know, answer the question of whether or not crimes were committed, and at that point, yes, it's not—it's not the Justice Department's job to indict the president. It's the job of Congress to impeach the president based up uh, right. based upon that evidence. Uh, so, I do think that we—it's. It, it's not that Mueller is Mueller is is not being misleading regarding exoneration, but we should just keep in mind that, that was not. It's not really the prosecutor's rule right. to provide exoneration.
0: Uh, what about his statement uh, when asked if he if the president could be indicted after his term was over, and he said yes, I believe.
2: Yeah, I think that that is factually the uh, the correct answer. I think that if you were to look again through the, the issue of obstruction in particular, there's a, there's a lot of complexities here, and this is perhaps some of the reason why I didn't make the most riveting television. Uh, there are statutes that deal with uh, obstruction of justice, and they are technical legal statutes. So in many cases, uh, Republicans were debating whether or not, say, actions by uh, the former NSA advisor Michael Flynn actually constituted obstruction, and so on and so forth. These are the kinds of complex questions that could emerge. Now, there, um, this does raise an interesting question, whether or not um, it is the Constitution itself that precludes uh, the Justice Department from indicting a president, or whether it's simply a policy. And this raises the question of a statute of limitation. Hmm. You could say that if, it's, if, they, if the position is that the Constitution prevents a sitting president from being indicted, then I think the implication would be that the statute of limitation is not running <laughs> during that time, in which case in which case a president could be indicted for a crime wow. uh, after he's sitting in office. Oh man. So, so it, yeah, it gets, it, it gets uh, relatively, it gets really complicated there. Um, I think that uh, I would, I sincerely doubt whether president Trump would be indicted after leaving office for the kinds of obstruction uh, that occurred. Uh, I think that it would, from a political perspective, it would be too damaging, even though as far as I can tell, There are some definitely serious actions that the president took, particularly uh, trying to get people to lie about some of his actions. I think that does constitute obstruction. I think it's possible in some instances that maybe in most instances, an ordinary citizen would be prosecuted for it. But I think just as a political matter, uh, let's say, I think a President Biden or a President Kamala Harris would not want to risk the blowback and the, the disruption that would be caused by trying to uh, criminally indict a former political opponent, mean, um, from a legal... Even if from a le- even if from a legal perspective, it mm. was justified, and I think it might be.
0: Uh, Mueller said after the report was released, "It's all in there." Uh, it was it was hesitant to testify, didn't want to be brought into this any further, and and divided up into the political pie in any way. Um, and and many said uh, and predicted that it would just keep referring back to the report, which is exactly what happened here. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that, the Dems were uh, you know on the on the hunt. You know we read the book; now we need to see the movie. Uh, um, did this not? Did, did did the Dems set themselves up for a fall here, thinking what were they going to miraculously get out of him that they didn't already know? How is he going to present it in such a way, and knowing that he was such a hesitant witness?
2: Right. I mean, I think I'm going to have to speculate here in terms of my answer, but I think that when we look back in this, maybe several years hence, uh, several years into the future, what we'll see is that Mueller was disturbed by a lot of what he saw about Trump and his associates, and he was perhaps particularly disturbed at the way in which Trump reacted to the investigation, uh, particularly disturbed in the way in which he attempted to obstruct it. But what I think, and I have to admit, this is speculation here, I still think that Mueller believes he was able to conduct a full and complete investigation. What I mean by this is that Trump attempted to obstruct the investigation, but essentially failed. Right. Yeah. I think Mueller. I think Mueller is confident. Uh, is was disturbed by Tr- President Trump, disturbed by the way he acted, but confident in the results of his own investigation. And so I think that. I think and every the way Mueller has acted, I think everything falls into that category. Uh, President Trump uh, is emotional, easily angered, makes a lot of poor decisions, but in the end. He was not able to obstruct the investigation, and Mueller is confident that, in fact, there was no criminal conspiracy. Is
0: there a win? Is-, is there a win here, or does this come all out of wash? How, you know, uh, compared to the day before, what's different the day after?
2: Uh, I don't think impeachment is any more likely after this. So, I, if you think, I, so I guess I would have to say, given that the Democrats thought that this might uh, push impeachment onto the political agenda, that it might move the needle in terms of public opinion. I think they failed to achieve that. Uh, but uh, obviously it reveals still, if you go, I mean, anyone can do this, you can go and read through the entire script. There is a lot of politically, at the very least, politically damaging information about the president, the way he conducts himself in office, uh, his level of emotional maturity, I guess I would say, Uh, I found it a little I found it disturbing, even in the end, uh, even if I don't necessarily think impeachment would be justified based upon the report. Uh,
0: Is 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 has this been a waste of time? Has uh, the report been a waste of time and was bringing uh, Mueller back on to testify? Was that a waste of time?
2: Uh, Certainly bringing Mueller back to report. I think was a waste of time. And I think that the Democrats simply needed to spend some time going through the report itself and simply make a decision as the majority in the House, whether or not impeachment was justified or not. I think this was a bit of a stunt that failed for them. And so I think they 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 can't in the end, the decision lies with the Democrats in the majority in the House, and they can't try to get Mueller to make this decision for them. He has done his job. So uh, in that sense, I think it was a waste of time. I think it's too difficult at this point to evaluate the overall effect of the Russian investigation. We don't have the, we don't have the full story yet. We don't have the full story in terms of how the investigation originated. Uh, I think it's possible that it has undermined some of the confidence that Americans have uh, in their political institutions. I don't think there are many Republicans who look at this and think, this was simply done by the books that any president in a similar situation would have been treated this way. I think for a lot of Trump supporters, they are still suspicious that this was the state, the government striking back at an elected president who they really did not like very much. Uh, so I think there is some there is some damage there. I think it would have been I think it, it, it was definitely harmful, for instance, that so much information was leaked from the mm. Mueller team. Mm. I think it looks bad that so many of the officials within the Justice Department who were assigned to the Mueller investigation were Democrats, and not only Democrats, but uh, Clinton supporters. I think that has further undermined confidence amongst people, uh, particularly on the Republican side, who already didn't have very much confidence in the fairness and partiality of their government. Uh, having said that, it was obviously necessary to investigate Russian uh, interference in the 2016 election. Uh, And I think it is good that we found out that whatever problems Trump might have in terms of his experience, in terms of his judgment, uh, I think we should be relieved that at least uh, there's no evidence that the president actually conspired with a foreign government.
0: What about Mueller's uh, comments on Russian interference and meddling in the election and basically to, to keep aware of this, is that going to resonate with Americans? I think people are going to be
2: concerned with it. Uh, I will say that I personally, though I think it's obviously you need to take steps to prevent it from happening, it depends on what aspect of interference that you're most concerned with. I have never been convinced of the effectiveness, even of campaign ads. So the fact that the Russian government might be buying Facebook advertising of some amount really doesn't concern me at all. Insofar as there are hackers trying to gain access to sensitive information from American political parties, public officials. That is absolutely a serious issue. And I think regardless of any of the partisan consequences, uh, every American has to be concerned with that. And I hope that both parties can see that this is something they really need to work together on. Is this
0: dead? Is this over now?
2: Uh, Impeachment is not going to happen.
0: So is it time for the Democrats?
2: Nancy Nancy Pelosi, the the leader of of the House Democrats, was already inclined to think that impeachment was going nowhere. I don't think she sees any political payoff, and I think her judgment is just been confirmed by this, by Mueller's testimony. I don't really see any political incentive for the Democrats to pursue this, and in the absence of political incentives, I, there's no reason for them to do it.
0: So is it time for the Democrats to move on? Is it time for them to concentrate on a new leader in policy, unless on Donald Trump? Let him do what he does?
2: Yeah, I think that uh, this this chapter is basic is basically closed. Um, I think that the Democrats will be on much stronger ground to or try to articulate a positive agenda to focus on the other aspects of the uh, Trump administration that the public uh, is dissatisfied with, whether you're talking about, uh, I don't know, expanding deficits, whether you're talking about failure to reform health care, whether you're talking about uh, treatment of you know, undocumented aliens at the border. I think all of these other issues are going to be of... Uh, so much a higher political payoff for the democrats um it's it is it is a little bit confusing to me to understand why after having the Mueller report after seeing that the Mueller report did not deliver the only thing that would get president trump impeached which was actual an actual conspiracy it is confusing to me why they still uh why this path is still being considered
0: does this at the end of all of this and the testimony and such does this just solidify each other's base each side's base How do Americans feel about all of this today?
2: Uh, I'm not sure how many people are paying attention to the details. I mean, I'm not sure how many people are going to do what I just did this morning, reviewing sort of the the testimony dealing with the meaning of the obstruction statutes, trying to figure out if such and such an action would fall within the purview of the statutes. No one is doing that. I think there is material there that could be used to mobilize both sides. And I wouldn't be insofar insofar as the Mueller report and the Russian issue doesn't disappear from the public mind. I could easily imagine uh, the Trump campaign using it as a way of mobilizing their own voters. Right. You know, you can almost imagine how the ads would write themselves. You know, they're against you. They tried to undermine the president for two years, raising a specter of, you know, of false accusations. You know, that could I think in that sense, uh, we might not have heard the end of the report, but more now from the Republican side. I think for the Democrats, there's nothing more to, game, to be gained.
0: Uh, what about Donald Trump's response to this? Initially said he wasn't going to even watch, and then I think uh, <laughs> tweeted two dozen times over the course of the day during the actual testimony. Um, uh, can he say he's been exonerated? Uh, or, think... or does that stop him from doing it either way? <laughs>
1: uh, uh...
2: I I have to answer honestly. I, I, I'll just get back to that first quote I gave from Mueller on the most important question. He has been as exonerated as he can be under the circumstances. Uh, that I think I think is fair. I, I don't I think I think even Mueller would agree that he was able to conduct a fairly thorough investigation, even if Trump and his elements of his administration were not uh, not cooperating completely. So I do think you know, to sort of flip this around to look at it from Trump's perspective, I think a lot of Trump's behavior during the investigation uh, can be explained as the overly emotional reaction of someone who's accused of something that he didn't actually commit. Hmm. Right. I mean, people can be, you know, anyone out there listening, if you're committed, if you're accused of a crime, uh, it's still best to simply say, I'm innocent and not have, spasms of emotion and anger in response to it. It will not help you. <laughs> that was the most disturbing thing about reading uh, yeah. you know, aspects of the Mueller report, just the emotional way uh, that Trump is responding. Uh, and I think it is actually because he, knowing he was innocent, he thought that his anger was justified. But that's a very dangerous attitude for a president to have.
0: This is a, a major distraction that now seems to be over. It'll mm-hmm. be fascinating to see what draws our attention next.
2: It will be. Who
0: knows? Ryan Hurl has been with us, assistant professor, Department of Political Science, University of Toronto. Ryan, as always, thank you so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Thank you. Anytime. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Lots of stuff going on in politics. Uh, the, uh, the Mueller testimony yesterday, uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould's uh, book, uh, Gerald Butts returning, Boris Johnson, the new premier, or sorry, Prime Minister of uh, the United Kingdom, Uh, And Maxime Bernier uh, making some noise as well. Let's bring in Michael Tobe, Troy Media syndicated columnist, contributor to The Washington Times and former speechwriter for Stephen Harper. He is with us now. Michael, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. My pleasure, Scott. Uh, we talked at length in the past about the Mueller testimony. Eventually, it came out, 400 and some odd pages. Yep. Uh, Attorney General uh, Barr gave a sort of four-page abbreviated version of that. Right. Uh, many thought that was distorted, waiting for Mueller to uh, to react or, or provide his side of the story, per se. He did that, uh, eventually asked to testify before this committee this and, and didn't want to, no. uh, did so uh, uh, hesitantly, uh, basically saying saying that everything was in the report that he needed to know. Uh, that being said, uh, many in the Democratic, uh, on the Democratic side said that was the book, we need to see the movie, uh, <laughs> and then we saw the movie yesterday, and a lot of people, uh, well, I- I'm not sure what people expected, but it certainly uh, maybe isn't what the Democrats expected. Your thoughts on his testimony and what went down yesterday?
3: Well, let's put it this way. If it was a movie, I don't want to see the sequel. Yeah, Really? <laughs> One was enough, and that's not because <clears throat> there weren't interesting parts to it. It was, well, there were two parts. There were two sides to the story. I mean, the part that I'm sort of joking about a little bit was Robert Mueller's appearance there and the way he handled things. He was almost literally from the first five to ten minutes of questioning and all the way through, he was fumbling and bumbling his answers. It was, it was actually kind of embarrassing to watch that a man who is quite intelligent, and has spent many years of service in the public, including in the Navy as well, and has actually been, you know, a very important champion for a lot of different things. It was just, it was almost sad to watch at times where he often said, could you please repeat that paragraph, please? Could you read back that sentence? Or... The worst one of all, which I know is a complete excuse, is when he says, well, I'll just let what the report says stand for itself, yeah. which is a sign of someone who doesn't even know what's there. I mean, I don't expect him to obviously know every paragraph, every line, every word on the, uh, the page of the 448-page report. No one expects him to. But it was almost to the point, Scott, where you watched him, and you almost wondered, what did he really do in terms of day-to-day activity? We know that he sat on meetings. We know that he met with people. We know that we spoke with people because his appearance was noted at these various events. But what... Active role did he play? If he didn't understand even some of the basic parameters, so
0: does that give the illusion? Does that give the illusion he was not plugged in? I mean, does yeah. his performance matter? Is it about the content or the performance? He's not an actor; he's a lawyer. Um, but does this? Does it say? Does it? Does it? Uh, I guess. Uh, allude that there could be that he wasn't as plugged in as what everybody thought he was.
3: Well, that's certainly part of it because at least let's put it this way: the way he presented himself, he certainly didn't look to be plugged in, to use your term. And yes, I know that there's been discussions of Robert Mueller is very shy in public and doesn't like these types of forums. Fine, we'll give him a slight pass on that. But the, the fact that he didn't know. Basic uh, concepts or basic sentences in his two, you know, in his two-volume 448-page report, including ones that have actually been discussed publicly, Scott, on a few different occasions, which I'm quite sure that Mr. Mueller either read, saw, heard, or at least was given, you know, some notice about. It just made it look very, very bad. It doesn't mean that everything he said obviously was bad. The Democrats got exactly what they wanted out of him from just two very basic quotes one of them was he basically said that president trump was not exonerated in his opinion from all the charges including obstruction of justice charges which is what they wanted although ironically as you know hours later after saying it he actually did come back, and I'm just slightly paraphrasing, to say, well, I, you know, I shouldn't have gone that far. I shouldn't have said it was a crime, mm. which obviously deflated so many Democratic Party balloons, it wouldn't even be funny. But the second one that will hold for a while is that he said that, yes, Donald Trump can be indicted after he either steps down as president right. if he happens to win in twenty twenty, which means that in twenty twenty four they could go after him, or if he loses the upcoming presidential election. The Democrats performance overall was actually declared to be disastrous, not just by conservatives, but also by liberals, like NBC News's Chuck Todd, for example, pointed this out. And even Lawrence Tribe, the esteemed US lawyer, actually came out and said that, you know, I know which side I'm on, blah, 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 but it, you know, the Democrats didn't look brilliant coming out of this. So it it shows that even on both sides of the political spectrum, while they recognize that there were some interesting moments and some interesting language that was used, they know that, one, Mueller really didn't look sharp. Two, he got very, hammered very badly by a number of Republicans during that testimony. Badly in the sense that it almost contradicted things that were actually in the report, which was hmm. kind of astonishing. And three, I think they realized that no matter what soapbox they, they stood on, that being the Democrats in this case, and talked about how the country is ruined, the president's done this, the president's done that, they were not going to come out looking very good. They just needed two points, as people like Chuck Todd and others said, and they
0: got them, and that's all they were hoping. So uh, so they are happy with that. I mean, because m- my next yes question was going to be, they must have known they were not going to get anything out of them. He pretty much stated it's all in the report. I don't right. know what going and, test- and testifying is going to do. So was was that the objective, to just get those two points out? Is that considered a win for the Democrats?
3: Well, that's the consensus, anyways, and I, I am willing to accept that, because I don't think there was a lot more to be gained from this show trial, to be perfectly honest.
0: <laughs> (laughs) Uh, More more detrimental than it was a benefit to the Dems?
3: Well, let's put it this way. One of the two is, because, um, because Mueller walked back the fact that it may not be a crime, yes, I think they kind of lost their first one. They know, obviously, they can start haranguing President Trump that, you know, you're not fully exonerated, Mueller said so, etc. But they didn't, Mueller didn't quite go as, or didn't go quite as far as they had hoped. I think they would have liked a little bit more, or at least they would have liked the illusion of a little bit more. But on the second one, the fact that Trump can be indicted, that's something that, you know, people have been discussing for a while. It was common knowledge, of course, that it could be up in the air, or as a possible discussion, if and when Trump loses in 2020 or leaves after two terms, as he's mandated to in 2024. But now, if anything else, it's on the record. Do they perceive it as a victory? Probably in their own mindset they do. I think, actually, the Republicans and President Trump come out looking a lot stronger. And I'm not saying this for ideological reasons or biasy
1: mm-hmm.
2: or
3: or bi- personal bias, but because when, it, when push comes to shove, it's the appearance that Robert Mueller did and the fact that he did not look confident sitting through that testimony, that his words were halted at times, that he forgot certain things, that he kept asking people to repeat stuff, which is fine, maybe his hearing's going a little bit and that's that's life, it's happens to mm-hmm. everyone including my father, and I'm not gonna fault him for it. But he just didn't look to be sharp on the ball, or knowledgeable about this massive report, which was conducted over two years and cost the U.S. taxpayers over $25 million, you would just think that the standard-bearer, or at least the person who the report is named after, would know a lot more about it. And the Republicans can keep blasting away at this, and Trump certainly will be able to, too. uh,
0: Post-testimony, nothing seems to have changed. Uh, Is this dead now? Is this a dead issue?
3: no, it's not a dead issue because people are going to continue to keep it alive. Let, let's put it this way, and I, I, I can't speak for you, Scott, but I, I've said this to others. I've talked about this within the last couple of days. I'd like this to be dead. I'm, trying, I'm so sick and tired of talking about this for over two years. I don't know about you, but I'm getting very tired of it.
0: So Dem should focus on policy and a new leader as opposed to the pitfalls of Donald Trump.
3: No, because they no, they should. You're right. In theory, yes. In practice, no, because they can't win on that level. They know that. They also know that if they don't pick someone like Joe Biden to be the presidential nominee, most of the rest of the class running against them are pretty far left, are not in lockstep with a lot of American voters or potential American voters in terms of the way they view politics, economics, the size of government, foreign policy, etc., And for those reasons, although, yes, they'll obviously have a policy platform, and, yes, they'll talk about different things related to health care, education, size of government, and so forth, the best attack for them, they feel, is Donald Trump, even though, and this is where it gets kind of interesting, the last two or three polls that have come out, Scott, have actually all showed that Donald Trump's popularity has increased, not decreased. Mm -hmm. It's not stellar, It doesn't guarantee him victory next year, but he's starting to hit numbers in the 40s, which is where he needs to be to win, because, if you remember, even though he lost the popular vote to Hillary Clinton, which Democrats love to talk about still Mm. in 2016, it's the electoral college that matters most to Trump. With the numbers in the mid-40s, if you kind of place it on the map and sort of think to yourself... Well, this is where Donald Trump was strong in 2016. This is where he could potentially be strong in 2020. Does it mesh when you put everything together? If he's in the mid-40s or higher as time goes along and he's able to maintain it for the next little while, past this testimony and beyond, it's going to be pretty hard to stop him, no matter who the Democrats have as their candidates. So in the grand scheme of things, the Democrats definitely need another strategy to go up against Trump, but unfortunately, the most logical one, which, as you said, is policy, is not going
0: to work. All right. Uh, talked at length last week in regard to, earlier this week, in regard to the weekend's uh, revelation that Gerald Butts was going to be back in the Prime Minister's office fold, yeah. uh, advising for his campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, wondering back then if this would resonate. Doesn't seem like it really has over the course no. of the week. Although Jody Wilson-Raybould has announced a book is coming out yes. and and will come out in September, just prior to... To uh, the election. Are we going to hear any more about this? Uh, the book seems to focus on indigenous issues uh, from the press release that I had seen earlier, uh, obviously we don't know yet. No. Um, is this, is the whole Jody Wilson-Raybould, SNC-Lavalin, Gerald Butts thing gonna rear its ugly head again?
3: What was the word that Artie Shaw used to use? Coincidence, <laughs> in terms of hmm. the book coming out just a few weeks before the election. Yeah. How could that have happened, Scott? Yeah, I mean, look, it's kind of amusing.
0: Uh, and even if the book, book has nothing on this, it certainly will open her up to the talking points and get the press around.
3: Yeah, I agree with you, absolutely. That, and that's all she really wants. Even this this book is not a stellar piece of work, and quite frankly, a lot of political bios these days are not... If there is at least some groundbreaking information, or if not, if there's just a different recanting or retelling of the story that happened to her during the whole NSC-Lavalin controversy, and she actually gives even more personal anecdotes or more of a personal side or personal touch to it, which I'm sure she, and if she's employed one, and I don't know if she has, a ghostwriter will ensure, comes out in the text that will be deadly for the liberals and quite frankly even just a book by jody wilson raybould in september is deadly in itself because just that name that that thing and talking about what they know is going to be detrimental to a campaign that will end about a month later on october twenty first is bad bad news for them so while people might say what's the big deal about a book And a lot of times it doesn't matter. A lot of political leaders even now bring out books or release books during their campaigns to kind of promote things along, some which work and most don't. This one is just going to be deadly because it's Jody Wilson-Raybould and because the topic is going to haunt Justin Trudeau and lots of senior liberals, including, as you pointed out, Gerald Butts, who, for reasons that I think you know, you can understand on one end and not understand the other, is now back in play.
0: So worth bringing Butts back? Expertise worth opening this can of worms?
3: He needs Butts' expertise because Butts is probably the best strategist he's got. I mean, irrespective of what Jerry Butts got involved in, and we know the whole thing, we don't have to relive and discuss the whole NSC love and controversy again, That in itself, though, should have actually disqualified him from having a public role. Privately, I mean, Jerry Butts has never really left the scene. I know publicly he resigned his position. He most certainly did. But remember, even when he left, he said something to the effect of, I'll always be there, you know, to speak on the phone or take messages or, you know, whatever they wish to ask of me, I'll certainly present them an idea if they want. What he was basically saying was that there's a wide-open door, and you can come in any time you want. And quite frankly, without knowing for sure, I would imagine that the lines of communication have been open, maybe not daily, but regularly with Jerry Butts. So it almost seems logical why he would come into this role, but because of the dark cloud that follows him, because of what happened, with Jody Wilson-Raybould, Jane Philpott, NSC Loveland, and the whole affair that sort of, you know, wrapped us up for about two to three months involving the Liberal PMO, it would have been wiser if Trudeau had just kept a private association with them, let butts go into the private sector, which he was talking about at one point.
0: I thought of that, Michael. Could he just not do this and and no announcement be made? I mean, people would always be questioning it, but there'd be no proof of this.
3: Yeah. And you know what? If you want to be, as they say, if you want to be sneaky about it, that would be the right way to do it. You're absolutely right. But I mean, he's, be,
0: he's good buds with them. They're going to be talking on the phone anyway. Why not? Yeah, we're best buds. We're talking all the time.
3: Well, it's true. I mean, they really are. They've been close friends since university. I can't believe all the lines of communication died immediately when he left yeah. the prime minister's office. Yes, you're right. It could have been done on the hush hush and no one would have actually heard anything else about it. They would have just speculated, which is very different. So is this bad planning on their part? Well, are they tactical geniuses? They're not. We've already discovered they're, they're not. I don't care whether people who are listening to your show are partisan liberals. This is actually one of the worst governments in terms of political strategy or comms I've ever seen. And there have been good liberal governments with strategy and comms. Chrétien and Martin, Jean Chrétien and Paul Martin, they were good with Mm -hmm. strategy and comms. It doesn't mean they were great prime ministers, and they certainly botched up a lot of things, but they actually knew how to handle it, especially Jean Chrétien, who had decades of experience and knew how to deal with certain things. I mean, you could agree with him or disagree with him, and I was, Lord knows I was on the latter side a lot, But he was a great political tactician. Justin Trudeau's father, the late Pierre Trudeau, was a great political tactician. You have to give them their due on that. This man, who is our prime minister, Justin Trudeau, is not. The people around him, by and large, even though they have some bright individuals with them, including Katie Telford, they're just not very strategic. The one guy who is is Gerald Butts, and that's why he's back.
0: Michael Tobis has been with us, Troy Media Syndicated columnist, contributor to The Washington Times. Michael, as always, thanks so much for your time. Much appreciated. My pleasure. Have a good day. You too. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML. This is the Scott Thompson Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, or wherever you get yours. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, so you don't miss a thing. I'm Scott Thompson, and thanks for listening.